Okay, so I'm gonna stop saying episode such and such because I, I number one, I'm losing track of the numbers just because we are doing three of these a week, and the three that we do this week are not posted until next week. So we're cranking out a lot of content right now, and we're having a lot of fun. Um, and we had a lot of fun with this guest. We Kenny Sperry came to us from Presidio. If you guys don't know, Jen Yao over there is absolutely lighting it up. I think they moved over a billion dollars last year in real estate, and Kenny was one of the top two or top three producers over there. Now, truth be told, I also have a new editor. If you haven't told some of, or been able to tell, some of our videos, some of our content's going to start to feel a little bit different. Jonah, say hi. What's up, guys? That's Jonah. Jonah's going to be helping a ton, and, and, and what Jonah also allows us to do is increase the length of the video podcast. So Kenny was our first one where we pushed for over 40 minutes worth of podcast, and it felt a lot more natural to me, at least as a guest, as somebody that's trying to highlight who these people are and what makes them good at what they do. Uh, super, super excited to have Kenny on the show. This dude did some crazy stuff growing up that, that showed some... Uh, what are those key indicators, if you will, that he was going to absolutely do really well in real estate? He talks about going and sleeping three days in advance, five days in advance before his manager for a summer sales run when he was 18, sleeping in the back of his car. Like this dude is just a different level. And I think that his clients probably feel that same way. Here we go. Mr. Kenny Sperry. Like this is this is all brand new. You're episode 10. Uh, and this is all I love it. This is all brand new to me but it's it's all the same things that i have been doing which is trying to create real value for real estate agents well i right? think it's it's awesome and obviously it's working it's been awesome i mean your production is unmatched there's nobody it's, that is it's producing been, like it, you. it's it's been it, it's been way more than i thought I, I think than what i thought was possible totally right and it, but i think it all goes back to how do you take care of people how do you how do you treat people? And ultimately that was my, that was a big reason for wanting to start. This was like looking at the numbers. There's 28,000 real estate agents out there. Well, right. okay. Sorry. There's 28,999 active <laughs> real estate agents. I had somebody comment on one of my TikToks and say, um, you're incorrect. It, they, they had just barely deactivated their license. So I said, I would make a note of that on my next video. That's so, so funny. There it is. Jonah, make sure we clip that. Um, <laughs> but I, I, there's so many out there, right? I, I, okay. Did you see this number that Rob Audrey posted the other day? Which one? So of 28,000 active oh, yeah. agents, how many agents would you say as a percentage have done one transaction or less in the last 12 months? It was like 5,000 It was 7,500 7, agents. It was like 20 something percent, 25% of agents in the last 12 months have not done a transaction. Right. Right. My follow-up question to that. Of those 7,500 agents, if their mom, their dad, their friend, their aunt called them and said, hey, would you list my house for me? Which, how, what percentage of those 7,500 are saying yes? Dude, every single one of them. Every single one of them because it's an easy commission in their mind. And I, I think if, if there was a way to track this, I think half of the bad names that real estate agents get on transactions come from that bottom 25% that do one transaction totally. every 12 months in a very difficult market. And then all of a sudden, when it comes time to play with the big kids, it just, it doesn't work for them anymore. Right. They're sloppy. They are. And they, and they can't compete. Right. And then, and then they just start doing unethical things. They start doing shady things. Like it just, I think everything kind of spirals out of that bottom 7,500 agents. Totally. No, dude, I, I completely see that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting. <clears throat> yeah. But we're, but we're here to talk about you. Well, let's do it, dude. Where I love starting is where you were at before you jumped into real estate, right? You're 30 years old. What did life look like? What kind of started to push your transition into real estate? Yeah, so it was interesting, dude. Um, from a young age, I... Uh, you say that like you're old. Are you starting well, to feel old? I, yeah, dude. No, well, I'm, I'm talking like 
from a young age. Okay. My mom, uh, she used to call me Tom Sawyer. Okay. Um, I grew up on a farm. So, like... That's a better nickname than Boo, by the way. Small... <laughs> <laughs> I like it, dude. Um, so small town Lehigh, um, like we grew up on a dirt road, horses and cows and all of that. Um, anyways, a bunch of my buddies lived in like the smaller, you know, homes and lots and everything else. And we had some land. So my, uh, my mom, like as, as one of my summer chores, like a summer job, right. Didn't get paid for it, but, uh, yeah, you can't it, call it a job, right? It wasn't a job. Yeah. It was a chore. <laughs> um, it was to paint the horse barn. And uh, I had to paint this dang horse barn. I was right after school got out um, before I could hang out with my friends. And so... And you were how old? Dude, I had to have been, like, probably fourth grade. Okay. So how old is that? I don't know, dude. Like, 10? 10? Yeah. yeah. I, was say, I think you had six years to whatever the... Yeah. I feel like that tracks. 10, maybe? Yeah. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, so I'm, I'm sitting there, and I hated to paint, dude. Like, hated it. So I figured it would be, you know, easy to grab a bunch of buddies and give them an opportunity. I had no idea who Tom Sawyer was, but my mom came out and she was pretty frustrated because <laughs> I had all my buddies back there. I you was, cheated the system. <laughs> I, I was overseeing like them painting. It wasn't about getting the bar. job done. It was right. about you getting the job right. done. So I think like that was kind of my start to sales, right? That was like the point where um, like looking back on it, that was like, okay, yeah, I've, I've, had this kind of in my blood, but, uh, what I think it gets a bad name because a lot of people feel like when they hear that they go and get people to work for it, it always comes back to like wanting to be an entrepreneur and make money off of other totally. people. You weren't getting paid for that. I think your number one goal was just getting that job <laughs> done in the most done, efficient dude. way possible. And as fast as I could. Right? How did you do in school? Terrible. Yeah. Terrible. That's how, that's how I was. Cause like it, when you couldn't come back last second, and like figure out a way to make it work at the end. I just, I don't, I don't know why I couldn't just like put my head down and like, okay, I'm just going to do my homework like a normal person. I'm going to structure this. I'm going to set two out and it frustrated my dad to no end. Right. Yeah. Cause I couldn't get myself to sit down and, and, and focus on something long enough to get an assignment done. Yeah. And that's the thing, dude. So like up until eighth grade, I mean, I was like, I was the classic terrible, terrible student, always in the guidance center, always like I was, I was terrible. Yeah. But, uh, we had a sit down with a counselor in eighth grade and she's like, Hey, you're going to have to go to summer school if you don't figure this out. Right. And, uh, that was the end of me being a terrible student. I, I went from that to, was it I, motivation? Oh, dude, I you weren't giving wanna, up summer vacation. I didn't go to some, yeah, yeah. I didn't want to go to summer school. So, uh, is that cause of the, like the, the stigma that comes from kids that go to summer school? No, I just wanted to hang out. You're trying to hang out. Yeah. I just wanted the, you know, I just wanted the best life I could. Yeah. And summer school did not entail that. So <laughs> summer vacation so, was precious. Right. Yeah. Dude. So I did everything I could to stay out of summer school, barely made it. Um, but yeah, I mean, that was, that was not a big shining period for me. You, you don't look back on that fondly no. and, and think like, yeah, not at all. So I'm almost like annoyed at myself because I like I made it more difficult than I think it had to be at times. Totally, dude. And and I see that same thing. Like it should have been, you know, if I would have just buckled down and and got to work, I could, you know, I could have made it through just fine. Um, but uh, you know, after after high school and everything else, I went and knocked doors. So my summer sales. My background is in door knocking. Yeah, specific summer sales. specific. Uh, what is a specific market where you as pest control? We, yeah, we did two different markets. So I started in pest control. Um, and, uh, as funny as it sounds, dude, again, going back to like as easy as I can make things right. 
Um, and that's not, you know, I, that sounds terrible looking at like my character, but my, no, cause uh, people either hear it as, uh, I think it depends on what the results are, right. right? That's what I've learned about myself is that like, if the results are there, even if the process didn't look like what you thought it should, doesn't mean that it was a what faulty other process, thought it should. right? Yeah. So it doesn't mean that it's necessarily a faulty process. Like right. I've been, th- this has been rattling in my brain like crazy and, and probably cause I've been working with my wife more and more. But it, but it's when the process looks unconventional that that people take fault with it. So that's why I think I will always go back to what were the results. Totally, and that that was the thing, dude. So like when I went out, um, I was working. Uh, you know, I worked at a car wash selling passes through high school. Loved it, like crushed selling passes. As as dumb as that is, but uh, we went out and uh, I had a recruiter come through the car wash one day, and he's like, "Hey, you need to come." Knock. Summer sales. Yeah, summer yeah. sales. He's like, you need to come knock doors. Um, so I went and met with him, found out how much money you could make. And I'm like, yeah, what am I doing wasting my time here at a car wash? You know, I need to go. So you went right out at 18. You graduated totally. and then left. Right. Yep. Right after high school. So Went to? You what? And you, where'd you go? Oklahoma. Okay. Yeah. Oklahoma. So went out there, took a buddy with me um, or two buddies with me, and we went out and knocked doors. And... Uh, Dude, we got out there before the office was set up. We were, like, sleeping in the back of my car waiting for our... At our, 18 years at old. At 18 years old. Yeah. yeah. In downtown Oklahoma City. So we're sitting in... You know, we're sleeping in the back of my Nissan Xterra. <laughs> living the dream. Yeah. Not, yeah. not telling... At least our, you're not living at home, uh, right? Right. Not telling our parents what's going on, because I'm sure they would have freaked out. Yeah. But, uh... So we started doing that. Started hitting the ground, you know, and throwing up accounts before our manager was even out there. Like, we had to go to the pest control company and figure out, like, what the heck we were supposed to do. Um, so that was that was kind of an interesting time, dude. Um, I went into it, again, super motivated, super driven to, like, get the process started. But um, I love the competition of sales. Like, it, it's exhilarating to me. Um, and so, uh, you know, we, w- we went out, and when I say, like, I'm looking for the easiest way possible. I, I wanted to be the top rep or in the top few reps. You're not right? looking for the easiest way possible just to get the job done. You're looking for the easiest way possible to be the best. Totally. Yeah. yeah. And so my days during summer sales, you know, and it's embarrassing to admit this, but it looked like I'd go out for two or three morning, two or three hours in the morning, knock some doors, throw up, throw up a few accounts. And then, uh, you know, we had a group text that the manager would send out like, Hey, so-and-so is on the board. This is where we're at with numbers. So I'd throw up a few accounts, um, you know, just right in a row. Um, and uh, then I would, I'd go hang out, dude. I'd take my buddy who was not throwing up accounts at the time. Yeah. <laughs> and we'd go to the mall or we'd go, you know, hang out. And then. So this uh, is an honest question. Would you say that that is part of your process? Because like, this is what I'm realizing. Uh, not <laughs> yeah, not, and not necessarily going to the mall, but taking that time and like enjoying not being at work. Like I'm realizing that the one of the things that I have done that has helped, I think, my creativity that has helped me like recharge is like I feel like most real estate agents have a lot of dead time between like two and four o'clock right. in the afternoon. And I was like, okay, I'm not going to go home for 45 minutes and hang out with my kids like that. Just I'm not going to get out of the flow that much. So I started playing Call of Duty. 
Yep. Right. I started playing Call of Duty for like an hour to 90 minutes or so before an appointment. And I genuinely felt like it allowed me to like take a minute and recharge, it, recharge and then get ready for the appointments. Like when it's actual face to face stuff from five and six. Right. And it totally. just, it helped my day. And I could have spent that time cold calling. I could have spent that time trying to fill it with quote unquote real estate activities. But to me, that was definitely part of my process and still is to this day. So my biggest thing is, is family always comes first and, um, taking care of like your mental, your mental, physical and emotional well-being, if you can do that, you're going to perform better, right? Every time. Totally. And so like, even if it doesn't look like it's a normal thing to other people. Totally. Right. And so that like going back to summer sales, dude. So we would go, I'd spend, you know, as much time as I could hanging out or, or trying to take that refresh. Right. Cause I was grinding like all morning I would grind. Um, and it's all you thought about and it's all you focused on and all I thought, even if it didn't look like it's everybody else, I knew my numbers. I knew every 13 people that I talked to one in 13 people, I would, I would make a sale. So, and and I think that comes down to it and knowing your numbers and knowing what you need to do to make your nest egg. Right. So we had, we had guys in our same office that were out and they were knocking from, you know, eight o'clock AM till eight o'clock PM. And they didn't know their numbers. They didn't know um, their conversion rates. They didn't know any of that, right? So for me, it was a system. I knew if I wanted to throw up five or six accounts a day that I needed to talk to 60, well, almost 70 ballpark. people. Right, yeah, ballpark. 60, well, the interesting thing is people. like you, there is definitely a rhythm to sales too, totally. right? So I'm sure the first one took you 16. The next one might have taken you 14, totally. right? Right. Um, but I think conversion rate is like crucial, right? Yeah. Um, and knowing your conversion rates um, because then it, then it just becomes a numbers game, right? Um, and I, I've taken that. And they're same not saying no to you necessarily. They're, they're saying no to number eight because you totally. had to get to number nine. Totally. And so that, that's something that like my first year on the doors, they ended up having me train a bunch of our new guys cause you know, they couldn't get it or whatever. Um, with mixed success, right? Some people have it and some people don't. Um, and you know, and then we went from that and transitioned and you know, the next year I, I became a manager and, and went out and did our thing. And so that's, but that was, uh, that was kind of my start. Um, and then I, I slowly transitioned that over into real estate. Um, well, yeah. So what was it about real estate? Was uh, I'm guessing you didn't get recruited by a real estate agent, right? Not at all. In yeah. Fact, totally the opposite. So my wife and I, um, we decided to buy our first property, um, wanted it to be a smart decision, right? So we made it an investment property. We bought a duplex first, lived in half of it, rented out the other half. Put low down. Right. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, and that was, uh, that was back in 2012 or something like that. Um, and I saw the, so you're 19, no, I was 20. Yeah. So yeah, I had just turned 20. Um, and so I saw the benefit to that. Um, and I was like, dude, this is sweet. Like other guys need to be doing this. Right. I have buddies that, that would benefit greatly from this. Um, so with mixed success, you know, I showed a few different friends how to do kind of a similar thing. Um, had a couple of, uh, you know, brother-in-laws and that type of thing that well, wanted. You were licensed at this point or you no, weren't? You were just licensed. spreading the good word. Right. You were just saying, hey, this is this is what my numbers look like. This Because I'm guessing you had everything down to a science. You weren't right. just pitching your friends on the feel-good idea of home ownership, right? Totally. I'm, I'm guessing you approached it very, very specifically and said, these are the facts behind why you should be buying a house with your next back-end check, not a BMW, right? right? Yeah, and that's totally, so like in door-to-door sales, dude, it's all about the flash, right? Yeah. And uh, and it's nice, you know, I, I drove nice cars when I was younger, you know, doing, doing that. But the biggest thing is like, you know, it's... Uh, if you can make a smart decision now, you're going to thank yourself later, you know, down the line. 
And it's delaying that gratification just a little bit. Totally. Um, and shifting your perspective just a little bit too. Right. Is that like my wife and I are getting ready to close on, I think it'll be rental property number five for us. Yeah. And it, it now all of a sudden it's become like, okay, can I collect this instead of Nikes? Can I collect properties? Can I, right? Like your focus starts to shift just a little bit and that becomes what you're saving that next paycheck for. Totally. Yeah. And we're, we're in the same, the same boat, you know, obviously we've, um, bought a number of properties since then, um, yeah. and slowly grown that portfolio. But, uh, I think the, the biggest thing is like, again, you know, before I got into the industry, um, I saw kind of the investment aspect of it and that intrigued me. So then at what point were you like, okay, I'm done doing this for free. Apparently you can get, be getting paid well, to do all this. It was, it was kind of through that process. Um, immediately after I, I wanted to be a loan officer, I had a brother-in-law who's a loan officer and I wanted to be a loan officer. So I wanted to be a loan officer. Um, so that's what your brother-in-law was doing. Yeah. That's what he was doing. So we, uh, I went through all of the schooling and classes again, it's pretty low barrier to entry. Yeah, we say all, I think it's like 80 hours. Right. Totally. <laughs> so, but that, that's, that's what so I went to like Kenny's love of, of classes, school. Right? Yeah. yeah. I had to find something <laughs> that I knew I could get through the schooling. Yeah. Okay? Um, but I went to that and decided like pretty quickly, like, you know what? I don't, I don't want to do this. Um, I, I went through that actually at the same time that we were in the process of buying our first property. Can I ask why? Cause did you know I did that for three years? Yeah. I, I did lending for three years right as I came home from my mission Right. from 21 to 24. And I was really good at like, surprisingly, I was really good at the realtor side of it. Yeah. But then as soon as like that relationship turned into like, here's a buyer, it like, I was like, mm. Uh, the sales process just wasn't there, yeah. right? It just, it wasn't the same. So for me, dude, not diagnosed, but I'm pretty sure I have ADHD. So sitting in front of a computer for like 10 hours straight. Collecting page nine of 12 because yeah, they forgot exactly to send it, it to dude. you. Yeah. And just all of those small details is not what I shine. Or yeah. That's not where I shine. So like. It's not the best use of your time. Not at all. Um, so I was doing that, you know, going through that process of getting my uh, license to do loans, you know, while we were buying our first property. Um, got in and, and decided like, hey, this is not, you know, this is not what I want to do. The agent that we used to buy our first property um, was subpar. So Do we want to name names? I don't, I don't know if we're going to become no, that podcast. No, I don't think we are. No, but we're not. But uh, will, you, will you tell me and then just edit it out? Yeah. What, uh, Who was it? Dude, I yeah, that's essentially what happened um, is the agent that I used. Um, I remember sitting at our kitchen table right after we closed and having a conversation with my wife and just saying, like, I could do that way better. And what were you feeling? I'm curious. Like, that's like a really weird question to ask, but I'm curious. Were you pissed? Were you like, were you front? No. Was it like almost like offensive to you that you're like, mm. I could have done that no, process no, no, no. should have been better. Not at all. Because I think that this was like your, this was your origin story, right? This is like, it, it was this moment sitting as soon as you closed. It wasn't necessarily buying the property. It was, I think, probably how you felt after, right? No, it was actually exciting. Um, we, you know, I was kind of on that high of like, we just closed on our first property. Um, at I 21 right. years old, 20 years yeah, old. Yeah. And I remember looking at the closing disclosure and seeing his paycheck. And I was like, dude, he just made a lot of money. Like, I'd have to lock, I would have to knock a lot of doors to make that much money. Right. Yeah. And, uh, so I, I looked at that and I was like, dude, this is a, uh, you know, this is something that I think I could do. Um, I had excelled in, you know, the other sales roles that I had had. Um, and I was like, dude, I'm going to go, 
I want to get my real estate license. Um, I'm not sitting in front of a computer all day long. Um, you know, and uh, like I said, I was going through the process of becoming a loan officer at the time. And, uh, I was like, this is kind of exciting. Like the ability to go out and actually meet people and not have to sit behind a computer all day. Um, you know, it excited me. And you believed in the product, I think maybe totally. more so than any other product that you had been selling up until that point. Totally, right? Yeah. Yeah, selling pest control, knocking on somebody's door and convincing them to spend a couple thousand dollars to kill a few ants was, you know. Which is probably something that, like, you <laughs> as a homeowner, you're like, I can understand that, like, it's annoying yeah. to have bugs. Right. We're I not trying to get into what everybody does for a living. But there right. is something about selling real estate and seeing the real benefit and seeing how people can make money and, and helping almost facilitate a process that people weren't sure was necessarily possible for them. Right. Yeah. And that was a, that was something that excited me. So I went and, uh, got my license, dude. Um, and I remember, you know, I was all pumped up. I was like, okay, this is going to be awesome. I'm going to have a bunch of friends and family. Didn't really think about the process of how I was going to gain clients. Um, so again, we had just bought our first property. Um, I, uh, I had quit my job, so I had no, no source of income. And, uh, I remember one, one afternoon, dude, I was, uh, pacing my kitchen cause I was like an anxious mess at this point. I'm like, okay, I'm a licensed agent. I have no way of freaking paying my bills right now. Yeah. And, uh, so anyways, we, uh, I didn't know what to do, dude. So I went and, uh, this is like phone books are still being delivered in this era, right? Yeah. The yellow pages that get dropped off on your front porch. So, uh, I went out and I grabbed a phone book, um, out of our drawer and I started calling the white pages. Um, just started calling buyer. Just, no, I don't even want to say buyers. Started just started calling A's, people. Started in the A's. So started, started calling okay, so from actual a, phone book sales. Kidding like. not phone book sales. <laughs> um, okay. My level my level of success was none. Can I ask why you didn't go back into pest? Um how long had this been, right? Because because I think was, that, that would have been my first response, like, okay, well, no, I know I can make money over here. Was it just like I'm not going back? What I'm, was that? I'm not going back, dude. So the environment, like the environment in summer cells is not um I don't know, dude. It's it's kind of a grungy environment, right? Lots of drugs, lots of like, it's just a crazy, it's a crazy world when you're out knocking doors, right? A lot of the guys that you're working with and everything else are, you know, they're, they're good guys, but they, uh, it's a different, it's a different world. It's totally a different world. Yeah. So when you're in one of those offices and not even that real estate is like this noble profession, because the barrier to entry into real estate is 120 hours of school, right? It's, it's not that it's this noble profession, but I think when it it allows you to take it as seriously as you want to, because this is arguably the biggest purchase people are going to make, right? Yeah. And that's, that's exactly right. So I started, I started calling in the white pages. Um, again, very, very little success with that. But we, I was working for Keller. You say little. Did you, did you have success? Had tons of conversations, yeah. yeah. I actually was, like, getting getting referrals from people that were, like, you know, my, my conversation was, like, hey, do you know anybody? It was, like, the most rudimentary sales pitch I've ever. That's a quantity thing, not a quality thing, right? right? You're trying to get through as many names in an afternoon Going, as you yeah, can. Yeah, exactly. Um, you know, so I just had my phone plugged in, and I was just dialing all the way down. So I started there. Um and uh, I remember I was working for Keller Williams at the time, and uh, I was in a sales meeting, you know, like a week later or something like that. And uh, one of the big owners of the teams, 
he was teaching the class. We had like a mandatory class that we had to take. And so I went to that class, a whole bunch of brand new agents and a few agents that just were struggling, you know, in this class. And uh, he asked, he's like, so what are you guys doing for leads? And, uh, you know, the room was silent. He's like, is anybody doing anything for leads? And I'm, I'm like, well, yeah. Or technically. Yeah, I was like, <laughs> I mean, I don't, I don't know what you consider a lead, but I'm calling the white pages. And uh, you could see, like, a spark go off. And he's like, come see me after class. And I'm like, okay, sounds good. Um, and I thought he was going to be like, you're, you're so stupid. Like, <laughs> why are you calling the white pages? Are we noticing a trend with Kenny and his schooling? I think you're, right. there's a little trauma there that you're going to have to work through at some point. Right. You just said he held you after class like it was right. the principal. <laughs> Yeah, totally, and, dude. And, and you're thinking I'm in trouble for something. I done messed up on something. Yeah. So even though there's no rules, right? There, I mean, there is, but there isn't when it comes to lead gen, right? Totally. But I was, I was doing the only thing that I knew how, right? I was spinning my wheels, trying to figure out some way of making success. So I went, met with him after class, and he's like, "Dude, you're you're honestly calling white pages?" And I'm like, "Yeah, dude." You know, I don't, I don't know how else I'm going to get business. He's like, all right. He's like, come work for me. And I'm like, okay. Who was you, this? You, uh, it was a red sign team. Clay. Yep. Johnny. Johnny and Clay. Great guys. Yeah. Yeah. So I went and, uh, and I, I think I, when was this? Uh, this was 2012. Cause they, I, since then they've done some unbelievable things. So I think I was, uh, I think I was their first hire. I was gonna say like some of the training things and whatnot that the red sign team specifically at KW has in place is, is fantastic. I right. think. Yeah, so I did that, dude. Um, worked with them for about a year, um, and we did mass transactions. Um, that was that was kind of the beginning stages for them, um, I believe. Um, you know, we were, we were in the very early stages of kind of their team, um, so they were still trying to figure things out and everything else. But I just did buyers for them. I ran buyers, and uh, so I got a lot of experience doing that. Um, but I wasn't like... Keller Williams takes so much of your money and then after the team split and after everything else, I was walking away and I was like, still, even with doing all the transactions I was doing, I was barely covering my egg, right? Just barely taking care of my needs. Which, uh, to defend how Clay and Johnny have it set up or, or, or how anybody chooses to run their business, generally speaking in real estate, if you're the one that's generating the leads, you can kind of call your shot because there's a bunch totally. of people. That's, I think, the big determiner if someone's going to be successful or not in real estate is what their lead generation looks like. Right. And, and so if you're willing to do that yourself, like you obviously were by calling white pages. Oh, I was I was stoked for the opportunity. You would rather, but at some point you're going to say, okay, you know what, I'll pay myself for lead gen. Right. So we went, and uh, I remember, so I, I went from them to another team down there, um, worked for them for a couple of months, and I was like, you know what, I want to do this myself. Like, I want to go out. I want to figure this out. Um, and so I went and uh, took that discipline. I remember literally walking out of the office that day. I'm not sure if they blasted out an email, but I got stopped by, like, five guys, and they're all like, you're making the biggest mistake. You're going to sink. Like, stay here. Don't go. Um, and I went and... Uh, started working with a smaller broker um, with smaller splits and everything else. But I took every single cent that I was making over what I was going to make, right, or what I would have made on that team, and I started reinvesting that into marketing. Um, and I, I looked at that, and I'm just like, okay, it's common sense here, right? I'm making X amount of money on this team. If I can be, you know, I'm used to living like that, right? So if I can continue living that way. And reinvest back and into reinvest, your own business. Everything else that I'm making, you know, I, I think I can make this work. 
And so that's what I did. So And that was 2013? That was, yeah, that was probably like 2013. Um, so I, I went from that, um, went to a smaller brokerage and, uh, started to plant the seeds of, you know, the marketing and everything else. And, well, uh, yeah, let's, let's, cause I, that whole middle story is, is great, but, but ultimately the goal is for me to, to be able to give you a piece of content from here that, that helps somebody see it and say, I want right. to hire that guy. So rather than tell us everything that you went through to get your business. Tell us what it looks like today. Tell us what, like, of those core principles or those core things that pushed you into real estate, the things that you learned in that first year to now, 10 years later almost, what does your business look like today? Yeah, so very, very different. Um, when I first got into the business, I, I just had dollar signs. And literally, I was Which, just can we take a second to acknowledge? Because I think that there's not enough real estate agents that acknowledge. That's a big piece about why people totally. get into the business. That's a big piece about why I choose to stay in the business. Right. It, there's this, there's this battle going on right now about real estate agent commissions and I'm not one that cares to engage because I feel like I can generate my value totally. and I am okay discussing that with anybody that wants to have the conversation, right? right? Money is the reason why we all got into this industry, right? And it's the reason why the majority of us stay in this too, right? As yep. much as we love the process, people need to understand that that's, that is a motivation for real estate agents. Yeah. So my, my motivation was very little about providing value for other people and very much so about the selfish aspect of like, I want to just make a lot of money. Um, and I want to drive as many deals as I can. The first few years I did that and I burned a, like not burned a lot of clients, but I, I'd, I'd never sell those clients again. Right. It was a one transaction and they were done. Right. They used somebody else in the future. Um, so where I'm at today, um, I've been on a hundred percent referral based and repeat business, um, for well over two years now. So, and, uh, with that, with that level, I'm still able to produce at a very, very like more business than I can actually take on. Do you think, right. Going back to your days of sneaking away and going to the mall, right. Right. That was part of your process. Do you think that this gives people a better version of who you are as an agent? Rather than the mass producer of deals. Yeah, totally. Because I and, and hold on, let me let me put an asterisk by that because you're still pushing deals. Totally. Like, don't get me wrong, you're still pushing a lot of real estate every single year. You're just choosing to focus on the people, I think, instead of the transaction. That's exactly right. Um, and within the first year or two of me, like actually getting out and doing my own deals, I realized really quickly, like, I'm gonna have to spend a lot of money on marketing if I want to keep this up, right? And I don't want to do that. So. I transitioned and I started to make it more about the service aspect of this. And I really refined my processes to be just a wealth of knowledge um, so that anybody that was coming in, I knew for a fact that they would be coming back. So give us kind of like a 10,000 foot overview of like what it looks like. What is it? And not even just like what it looks like, but that always leads me to what my, or what you just said leads me to that next question that I love to ask, which is what does it look like to feel, or what does it feel like to be a client of yours? What does it feel like to sell a house with you? What does it feel like to buy a home with you? So, yeah. And that's interesting. Um, I, I look at, you know, and the people that I'm hiring right now, um, for my team, we, we don't call ourselves agents. We call ourselves advisors. Right. Um, and I think that the biggest thing is being able to advise um, and not not being in this to like anybody with half half a brain and a pulse can sell a house, right? But in order to be an advisor and to be a very effective advisor, it takes education and it takes serious knowledge. It takes time. It takes totally. effort. It takes, yeah. You have to be an expert, right? You have to know your numbers going back to, you know, kind of what we talked about a little bit ago. But uh, so the biggest thing like, 
A, knowing the numbers, right? And knowing where the market's headed, knowing what the market's doing. And right now that's a, that's kind of a crazy, yeah, that's kind of a crazy thing. So it's a big question now. It's been a really big question for the last two years. Buyers have had to completely change what was realistic or what once was realistic for them and say, okay, now it was a single family home two years ago. Now I'm buying a town over the exact same amount of money, right? And being able to advise people on why that happened, why that's going to continue to happen and why there's no sign of it stopping is so important, right? Exactly. And, and I think even more than like what the property looks like, right. Or, or, Hey, let's buy a townhouse over a, or over a single family or whatever, advising like different conditions and essentially like issues that they may run into when reselling a condo, you know, once, once they lose financeability, FHA or that, approvals, totally. everything that goes yeah. with it. And so knowing all of those different things aspects, that you probably got burned on at one point, right. Totally. Yep. That, that like, just, you're like, well, I didn't know that that was a thing. I will never get burned by that again. Totally. And, and I think that just takes years of experience. Right. And a lot of that, and there's not a, there's not a way to, to shortcut that. There's not a way to replicate not. that. No. Well, there's not, unless you have an extremely robust system. Um, and that's, that's what I'm working on developing right now for my team is a system that has this, you know, 11 years of experience all built into a training so that, when they're out on the doors and when they're actually meeting with clients, they can completely advise how to make sure that this is the very best experience so that we don't have to continue to drive those leads, right? Because leads are super expensive. Um, And the best thing that we can do, if we can continue to get those people to come back to us by providing that value and by providing that knowledge, that's paramount. And that's like the biggest thing that, you know, for me and my business. Where does that, where does that come from? Because that, that's not a summer sales mentality, I would say. No, it's it's completely opposite. Um, and that's something that, like, that's genuinely my character, right, is making sure people are taken care of. Outside of work, outside of sales, um, I'm a doer. Um, and I, I want to make sure people are taken care of. We do, um, you know, I, I try and serve as much as I possibly can. Um, you know, when there's a big disaster, we went down for Hurricane Laura and we took a few guys and, uh, did clean up after that and that type of thing. So I'm very much so service oriented and people oriented. Um, but at the end of the day, we all go to work for one reason and that's to provide for our families. Right. Um, and so when, when it's separating that work from, you know, I've just kind of combined a little bit better, I guess, work from what I do outside of work, if that makes sense. Well, and, and, and allowing your processes to be probably the process that you would want to go through if you were buying a house, right? You talked about how that process went that first time with your first agent. Yeah. And I love that you said that you were excited about it, but there was also something inside of you that was like, this can be done better. And I I almost wonder if that's what it was that you're like, this should have been a better pro. I should have been more like, I am so excited. There's this rain cloud over this because the processes or whatever weren't in there. And I'm sure you, you've gone through a thousand times and dissected what it was that was wrong right. and implemented that into your business now, totally. right? Totally. And we do on every transaction. So it wasn't just that first transaction, but anytime I see a hiccup or anytime we see some sort of feedback that we can collect and implement, that's something that we do every single time because we don't, you know, you're never going to refine your process if you're not constantly breaking down what happened and fixing it. I love learning a little bit more about how you've built your business. What what would you say specifically within that process that you guys do at a higher level than anybody else in Utah from a real estate agent standpoint? Yeah, so I think um, this is going to sound really weird, but advising condition in, a, in addition to advising, advising about the investment. 
So I have a training that we go through, um, and it's like, I think it's a 50, 50 page training or something like that, um, that every one of my agents goes through. And it's not talking, there's not one single thing in there about the sales process. It's talking about condition. It looks like a home inspection training pamphlet. Um, and I think that that is crucial because the biggest thing, somebody's going to buy a house, right? And you have 10 to 15 minutes that you're actually spending in that house before they make the biggest investment of their life. What in the, in the last two years, that has literally been the experience. You have 15 minutes to make that decision. To decide if this is home for forever. Totally, dude. And and that's such a foreign concept because like even in door-to-door sales, I spend longer than 15 minutes convincing them that they need this little $2,000 pest control package. This, right? this four-time right. option, right? Right. And so it's such an interesting concept that we're we're basically taking, you know, the biggest biggest investment of their life and helping them understand if this is going to be, you know, of worth and importance. And doing it in a streamlined fashion. Totally. So, um, I don't remember where I was going with that, but yeah, long story short, my, my agents and myself, when we go through a house, we're advising every single step of the way we're pointing out all of those things. And we have a very trained eye to watch for those things. I've seen so many home inspections, right? that we've, we've taken all of that information out of those inspections and years of doing this. And we've put this into this training so that when these people go through, I want their main focus to be like, does this feel like home? That's the only thing that they need to do, right? Well, in the last two years, and maybe you didn't do this, but this was definitely an industry practice, I would say. Yeah. Part of your offer looking the most compelling to a seller was waiving your home inspection. Right. And so, yeah, and that's, that's exactly it. So as they're walking through, they're focused on the feels, right? and saying, okay, does this feel right? Does this look right? Um, our, our goal as an agent is after they go through that house, we do another run through, or sometimes we'll do it during the, you know, during the showing where we will point out every single thing that we noticed. We're, we're talking about roofing. We're talking to the buyer, to the buyer. Yeah. On site. On site. Yeah. yeah. So that they're not sitting here. We don't make an offer, right? We don't waive our inspections and everything. And then we don't, you know, we have this situation that, there's a lot of agents that will mask that and say, yeah, that's, that's not a big deal. You can take care of this down the line. We've run quotes. We've run bids on 90% of this stuff so that we know how much money it's going to cost to recarpet a 4,000 square foot house. We know what it's going to cost to have the interior repainted. We know what it's going to cost to have the roofing redone. Um, and we can advise on that in real time, in real time so that they're not, they're able to walk through this and they're able to make a way better educated decision. They actually understand the purchase that they are making rather than just how it made them feel. Right. And so rather than them going with most agents that are going to run them through and they're going to say, yeah, this feels good. There's a few things that need to be done. Right. And And it's an arbitrary number. Totally. Just them saying, well, you're going to need to do this. You're going to, you'll need to do It's a very common one, right? You're going to have to change the carpet and who knows, right? Right. Actually, but I, if you're not aware of like what the options are, if you're not even aware of like the things that are probably going to need to be corrected, there's no way for you to advise the buyer correctly. Right. And when they get done with that process, right, we close on the house, we sign off and we say, okay, yeah, great. That's the deal's done. Right. And then it's on the buyer's plate to figure out that carpet that we just said needed to be done. But as it's a, not, they're not moving into home no. and all of a sudden hitting and, and realizing carpets. 15 I just grand. bought this. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's awesome. Yeah. So that's, that's one thing we do there. 
Um, and then on the listing side, we, we have a couple of systems that we implement. Um, there's only a, a handful of agents in this valley. I know every single one of them that do the same system that we do on the listing side. Um, and I can guarantee in almost every single case that we will end up the highest valued listing in that neighborhood. So, and that's, are you going to give any more details on that, or is that just yeah, that's I'll, your problem? I'll like give if you, you a total give, breakdown, give, just yeah, cut give, the cameras. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but that that confidence though is what allows you to go in and tell a seller these, this is why I believe that, and 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 this is how we're going to get it done. Totally. But there's there's a lot of, and that comes down to again the seasoning aspect of it, right? And making sure that we know what it's going to take to get the house sold. Uh, but then secondly, like I can very confidently sit down against any single agent in this valley, except for maybe, again, a handful that'll do and it you very know who they are. I know exactly who they are. Um, and uh, with that being said, there's there's a lot of money that goes into a, a listing that's done properly. So, and that's that's the other aspect of it, right? So we're, we're definitely not going to be the cheapest person to list with, and that's 100% sure. But we, I just took over a listing, you know, just, just a few weeks back. This listing was... Um, taken by somebody else um it was getting ready to go on the market the listing agreement was signed they were selling the house for one million fifty thousand the seller called me and said hey can i just have you run this and tell me what you think you can do um we took that same listing and again i'm not going to name who we were competing against um and i said i think they I can know yeah they know <laughs> <laughs> but i was like uh i think we can get 1.2 out of this um the seller's sister was an appraiser and she called me and she's like, you will never get that out of this. And I was like, yeah, I will. Cause I'm going to go around appraisal, we'll wave appraisal and we'll do X, Y, and Z to get there. Um, and we did, we got every cent of that 1.2 million, but yeah, so they, they ended up paying a little bit more in commissions, but ultimately they netted about $130,000 more. And they're probably okay paying you whatever you told them it was going to be. Yeah, totally dude. I love that. No, that's perfect. So to kind of bookend everything for us. Yeah. Right. We see the systems. We see what pushed you this way. Who are you outside of real estate? I'm going to guess that's something to do with family because you said family first. Totally. So not not what are you uh, after real estate, but what are you with real estate? So like what's what's on the what's the uh, who who are you outside of real estate, but not necessarily uh, who who complements the balance for you? Who or what what is the balance to you to to all the time and effort that you put into real estate? Yeah, um, that's driven by family. So I have three little kids and a beautiful wife, and that's that's my biggest drive. Um, and then God. Like the biggest thing is I know, you know, there's a lot of uh, agents, and there's a not even a lot of agents, but a lot of salespeople that are like, hey, I'm self-made, I'm self-made, I'm self-made. And, yeah, I have built this, but not without the help of God and without the support system that I have backing me to get to where I'm at. No, I love that, and I think that that's – uh, one thing that our industry doesn't have a ton of is people that are aware of, of who helped them get to where they're at. Right. Right. Yeah. It doesn't matter how self-made you are without that support system, which is crucial. Like you, you rip out that support system from any one of these top producing agents that you've had on this show and they will crumble. Yeah. And I, I think that that's one of the things that makes them top producing is that most of them, at least the, the, the top performing agents that I have interacted with all seem to be very, very self-aware of that. Totally. So what is, I always ask for one piece of advice and, and you guys do a great job, I think, of advising. What's one piece of advice you would give to somebody that's either buying or selling, right? doesn't have to be both, but one or the other that might not necessarily use you, right? What's one free, what's one free tidbit? What's one free piece of advice that you would say in real estate, considering everything else, 
go. Yeah. There's a 90-10 rule in real estate. 90% of the agents do 10% of the business, right? 10% of the agents do the other 90%. If you don't use me, make sure that whoever you are using is in that same category. Make sure that they're able to advise you in the same way that we would be able to advise you. And as long as you're doing that, you're going to be just fine. Or if you're, using, if you're using somebody outside of that 10%, Make very make sure that you are very aware that that is costing you money. Yeah, totally. But and be okay with that choice if that's the choice that you make, right? No, and that's that's exactly it. And I've competed against the you know a couple of the other agents that you've had on this podcast. And when I meet with a seller that's like, hey, we're thinking about going this way, you know, convince me otherwise. I'm there's no convincing. It's they're a great person. They're a great agent. They will take good care of you. And I think that's the biggest thing is like being willing to accept that. Like you're not going to win every single list. There's going to be some people that you have to be okay losing. Totally. To. And it's not, not, I mean, that sounds bad. People you're okay losing to, but there's, there are people that will definitely provide that value. Um, well, and, and then at that point it, it comes down to, to dealer's choice, right? Totally. And you can be okay with that because it had nothing to do with you and it had to do with the fact that they had, yeah, something clicked. They, yeah they have the same name as their daughter or something, right? Who knows totally. exactly what it is, but you're more okay with that because you know that it wasn't something that you couldn't do or you yeah. couldn't provide, right? When I lose to an agent or when I'm competing against an agent, um, you know, that I know is not going to be able to provide the same level of value, um, that's a harsher reality than looking at somebody and saying, hey, you know what? There's these 15, 20 agents that I know of that are extremely, extremely talented. As long as you're growing with one of them, you're, you're going to be fine. You're going to be taken care of. Totally. And yeah. there's, I get asked sometimes, like when we're, we're in a listing appointment, who else do you recommend? And I will absolutely recommend Michael Perry, or I will absolutely recommend Jimmy Rex. Like there's, there's a handful of guys or a yeah. hand. Yeah. A handful of guys that I have no problem recommending because I know that they will do a good job. Right. And if you're truly in this to take care of people, they will appreciate that. Right. Well, I love that. I think you've done a great job of, of answering why somebody should be considering you if they're looking at buying or selling. So seriously, super grateful for you coming on the show and super grateful we've almost taken an hour at this point. Sorry, so, dude. No, I, not bad at all. This is what I want this to be, is a showcase of why people should be using certain people, and I, I think we share similar opinions. So appreciate, appreciate you coming it. on. Thanks, man.